On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we recap the Terps' 4-0 week, including a crucial sweep of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We preview the upcoming weekend series against Indiana and break down every possible Big Ten tournament scenario. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 55 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. As you heard, I'm Justin Galanti. Once again, I'm joined by Connor Newcomb and Connor, all signs pointing up after this 4-0 week for Maryland. They beat Towson on Wednesday in extra innings on a walk-off hit from Nick Dunn. And then in a series that they really needed to sweep against Rutgers. They got the job done, and after coming into the week 11th in the Big Ten, the Terps now sit in eighth place in prime position to clinch a spot in the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Yeah, obviously it was a huge weekend for Maryland against Rutgers. They get the sweep. Obviously things came down a little bit to the wire in Sunday's game, but got the W, got all three, and then the Terps really got that help elsewhere this weekend. I mean, Michigan State losing two of three to Minnesota, that Indiana and Nebraska series. It kind of would have helped the Terps either way, whatever happened, because it was two teams that are both fighting for that spot, playing each other, so somebody's got to lose. Indiana takes two of three. It kind of set up the Terps well enough where they're ahead of Nebraska and can also still catch Indiana this weekend. But obviously the big part of the weekend is that the Terps control their own destiny. They got themselves into eighth, got enough help to get themselves into eighth. They sweep Indiana. They don't have to worry about anything else. They can get into the tournament. And there's still a lot of good ways to get in, even if they can just win that series, get two of three. So the Terps have put themselves after, in a, you know, after a disappointing start to the Big Ten schedule, a disappointing series against Illinois and Purdue at home, and then they thought they should have taken two of three from Nebraska a couple of weeks ago. They've now set themselves up in a good spot to make the Big Ten tournament, which was in question for a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – any of us thought Maryland was going to be at the point that going into the final weekend of the series, they would be the team in the driver's seat, completely controlling its own destiny. But that's where we sit right now. And the Terps still have chances to move up potentially all the way to sixth because Iowa somewhat shockingly lost two of three at Northwestern this weekend. And the Terps are going into the Indiana series only two games behind the Hoosiers. So obviously a Maryland sweep would allow them uh, to pass Indiana. But we'll get to all of that a little bit later later let's talk about what happened on the field this week in college park because that was the most important thing for maryland to do take care of its own business and it started with a midweek extra inning win against towson in which the bats really came alive the terps belted four home runs and then nick dunn finished off the game in extra innings with a walk-off uh what was a single off the wall because the run scored and ended the game before he got to second base but would have been a double and it was a case of a guy that stepped up all year stepping up in a big spot but there were so many guys that stepped up offensively. And on the mound, Sean Fisher was really good out of the bullpen. Elliot Zollner the same, and Alec Tui the same, getting his first career win as a Terp. Yeah, it was a big day for kind of the guys. You know, obviously Nick Dunn gets the walk-off, and he's been the guy all season. But I think the biggest thing coming out of that game is that Elliot Solner pitched a scoreless frame. Alec Tui, an inning and two-thirds scoreless. Those are two guys in the bullpen this year who maybe – 
we thought coming in would have a solid role in this pen, but really haven't pitched too much this year. And when they have, it's kind of been a struggle. Zollner's gotten a lot of chances, and it's been a struggle, too. He hasn't come out of the pen too often. But either way, those were the two big signs in that game, I think. I mean, it was not a very meaningful game for Maryland against Towson, but they got a walk off. They came back, hit the home runs. And then those two guys, I think, could be important because if the Terps can get into a Big Ten tournament scenario, you have a guy like Alec Tui who – Hasn't you know he's only gotten one start this year, but he's a guy who's had a lot of starting experience in Buffalo. Maybe you'll need him to throw a couple of innings out of the pen. And Elliot Zollner with that sidearm delivery, if he can keep getting guys out, we saw him get guys out again over the weekend. He could be big in an inning or something like that in the Big Ten tournament as well. So it was nice to see the Terps hit and those guys come out and pitch well, and then that hitting obviously just extended into the weekend. Yeah, so then we got down to what was really the important part of the week for Maryland, the three-game series at home against Rutgers. Maryland went into that series in 11th place in the Big Ten, and after three wins, they came out in 8th place. So it was a huge weekend. Starts on Friday, and the Terps win that game 5-2. Hunter Parsons gets his first Friday night start and he moved back to the Parsons we've seen all year, bounced back from the rough start at Nebraska, went seven innings, allowing five hits, two runs, only one of them earned. He struck out seven, and Maryland really had a good offensive day against John O'Reilly for Rutgers, who gave up 11 hits in just five and a third, and, you know, Maryland, the seniors on the last weekend, they'd be playing at home in their careers. Beyondick had two hits. Watson had a couple hits in an RBI. Jankarski, two hits in RBI. Justin Morris, two hits in RBI. It was a nice performance from Maryland, and it got them off to a good start to the weekend. And with that win on Friday, they immediately passed Rutgers in the standings. Yeah, it was obviously a big win to get that first one and pass Rutgers. And then, you know, the Terps just kind of seemed like they played a full game every single game this weekend and that started with the game Friday you talked about the win over Rutgers there and Hunter Parsons was good again he kind of rebounded I think that was really big from his last start against Nebraska where he gave up seven runs over four and a third he came back and pitched well John O'Reilly although he is a Friday night starter for Rutgers just seems like he doesn't kind of have the Friday night stuff definitely didn't have it on Friday night against the Terps and they got the hits when they needed them and then the back end of the bullpen guys we talk about it again it wasn't Murphy it wasn't Beyondick who really wasn't available to pitch he was DHing because of that foot injury you had Ryan Hill going in in two-thirds scoreless and then Grant Burleson comes in and gets a strikeout for his first career save so it was just a complete game again for the Terps where they used a couple different guys besides the main pieces that have helped them this year and that really sparked them throughout the weekend and it was finally good to see the Terps win a Friday game that's two Friday wins in a row for a team that seemingly hadn't won a Friday game in a couple of months yeah it was it was impressive and I like what you're saying about the bullpen especially because Ryan Hill did a really good job coming in after Mark, or excuse me, after Hunter Parsons. But it looked like towards the end of that ninth inning, Hill hit a little bit of a wall. It was as long as he had pitched all season. And then how about the Terps going to Grant Burleson and getting that strikeout, uh, a left-on-left matchup? He used the curveball to get the strikeout, and I was really impressed with the job he did. He was only going to face that one batter. Then it was going to be John Murphy coming in, and if Burleson didn't get out, the bases probably would have been loaded and the go-ahead run would have been coming to the plate. So really impressive for Burleson to step up in a big spot, and this is something Maryland's kind of been waiting for all year, guys to step up in big spots, and they got it this weekend, especially on Friday, with a couple two-out RBI hits and a freshman Burleson coming in to get that last out. Yeah, and Burleson was great. He attacked to hit her right away. We've seen Grant Burleson get better and better this season, and we've seen him a little uptick on his velocity. We've seen the curveball get better, and you know, 
that's good to see from a freshman. You can see that much improvement over an entire freshman year. That usually means that guy's just going to keep getting better, and he's going to be a bigger and bigger part of this Maryland bullpen going forward, especially as a lefty who can come in and you know get more than just lefties out. We've seen him get righties out this year as well, but to get a big strike out of the lefty to end the game was huge. Definitely the biggest moment for him as a Turpin. Hopefully that kind of gives him confidence going forward as he can pitch in bigger situations because the Terps are kind of going to need to have all hands on deck. They're hoping that all the pitchers are healthy. We just don't know if that'll be the case. So you need kind of everybody in there, and the Terps kind of showed that against Towson, and then especially in game one against Rutgers that everybody's ready to pitch in big scenarios. So then on Saturday, Taylor Bloom got the start for Maryland against Harry Rutkowski, a freshman left-hander for Rutgers. Terps struck early with a couple runs in the first inning. Will Watson had a sack fly in that inning, and there was also a pass ball that allowed the run to score. So the Terps are up 2-0. Rutgers gets one back in the top of the third, 2-1, looking like a decent baseball game. And then the bottom of the third inning, the Terps come out with their best offensive inning of the season. They score 11 runs. Will Watson has seven RBIs in the inning, the second most in the history of Division One baseball. Watson had a three-run homer and a grand slam, uh, something – I don't think any of us have ever seen before. It was really, really impressive. Yeah, it was such a great day by Will Watson, obviously. I mean, he hits the first three-run homer, and it's a laser beam out towards left center field. The Terps go up 5-1. to one. You're like, all right, that's the big hit they needed today. Let's see if that's enough. Then all of a sudden, they bat around, and we had a nice conversation on the broadcast about <laughs> what batting around means. You convinced me that when the 10th guy gets up to the plate, meaning the leadoff guy is back up, that's batting around. So... I'm on that bandwagon now, but eventually Will Watson came up again with the bases loaded, and you're thinking, all right, if he can get another hit, we're really going to break this thing open. And he crushes one to left center field, a grand slam. You almost couldn't believe it, a grand slam and a three-run homer in the same inning for Will Watson, but he did just that. Obviously, the sack fly earlier in the game, so his bat was heating up, and it really wasn't a one-game thing. We talk about game three as well. He came out, had a bunch more hits, got on base again. He was so big this weekend, and Will Watson's kind of a guy – that we've talked about all season. An everyday DH last year for the Terps. This year, been in and out, some DH time, a little bit of left field time, but the Terps were really going in on having Randy Bednar be that guy in right field, moving Casas to left, and Will Watson was kind of in and out as the DH for the Terps. But since he's been asserted back into the Maryland lineup, he's been a huge spot. He's moving up now, and he's basically seems like he's going to be the Terps' five hitter for the rest of the season, and he's behind Costas, who started swinging it well. Beyondick, who's hitting the ball very, very well. And Watson's back there. Teams now have to pitch to Will Watson. He talked about this before the game Sunday, how he kind of feels like he's getting a lot better pitches now that he's hitting right behind those guys in the Terps order, and it's helping him. Yeah, absolutely. And so the Terps coasted through the rest of the game. They win it 17-2. to And what kind of gets overlooked is the solid start from Taylor Bloom going seven innings. And then Elliot Zoldner gives you two more scoreless uh, out of the bullpen. So it's two really good outings in a row for Zoldner. But Bloom giving Maryland a good start I think is really important as we get down to the very, very end of the season. It sets you up well this weekend at Indiana and then potentially in the Big Ten tournament. And look, when you get 17 runs of support, you're probably going to win every single time. But it's really not that easy to pitch with as big of a lead as Bloom had. First of all, that 11-run inning took, what, like 45 minutes? So Bloom's on the bench for that long, and he was able to stay sharp. And when you're out with such a big lead, coaches will sometimes tell you, just throw fastballs, throw strikes, get us back in the dugout, move along, things like that. But Bloom was able to be effective, and in his second start coming back from that concussion, uh, really good sign for Maryland, and good for him to pitch so well in his last career home start. 
Yeah, and it's going to be huge for the Terps. Bloom coming back, looking like the Taylor Bloom of old. We've kind of talked about this. It's been a little unfortunate for Taylor Bloom. You know, he's been such a big part of this Terps rotation for four years, and his numbers have really been his worst this year in his senior year. But that was such a great start, as you said, the six strikeouts and the no walks over seven innings. I mean, you can't really have a more Taylor Bloom line than that, no walks in seven innings. And he was obviously great, and it'll be big for the Terps going forward. We've talked about this again and again. If everybody's healthy, if Tyler Bloom's healthy, everybody's ready to go. The Terps have four very good starting pitchers, I think, going into a Big Ten tournament where if you want to win that thing and get yourself, you know, NCAA regional seems pretty far-fetched, but if you have four good starting pitchers, you're set up the best in a Big Ten tournament or any kind of conference tournament or NCAA tournament scenario. And I think that's kind of what the Terps have and with these bullpen guys kind of coming around too. The Terps pitching is setting up well, and it's kind of been that way all season. We've had so many questions about the offense, but the pitching's been kind of solid. Now it seems like the bullpen's coming together, the offense is coming together, and simply that's why the Terps have won four in a row and the whole team's coming together at the right time. So Will Watson ends that game with eight RBIs, tying a program record. The Terps take the first two in the series, win the series, but we were kind of saying going into the week this team sort of needed to clinch, or not, excuse me, needed to sweep, not clinch. And they did that on Sunday. They go out, and they're all over Rutgers in the third inning again. The game was 1-1, and the Terps put up five runs in the bottom of the third inning. Will Watson has another RBI in this game. Three for Justin Morris, two for Taylor Wright. Terps end up winning the game 8-6. Mark DeLuia, a third straight solid weekend start. Six innings, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Things got a little bit hairy late. Rutgers scored four runs in the last two innings, got it back to 8-6, but John Murphy came in, got the last out on a fly out to right field, and Maryland did what it needed to do. An 8-6 win against Rutgers, they sweep the series and move from 11th place all the way up to 8th in the Big Ten. Yeah, just what a huge weekend it was. And you were kind of thinking the Terps might pull away again on Sunday as they did Saturday. 11 runs in the third on Saturday. They score five more in the third on Sunday and take a commanding 6-1 to lead. They were up 7-1 to after four innings, and you're thinking they might pull away with this thing. But as you said, Rutgers got two runs in the eighth, two in the ninth, helped out by an error in the eighth inning. Both those runs were unearned in that inning to Grant Burleson. And then in the ninth inning, you know, the Terps made it a little dicey. As you said, Ryan Hill got hit around a little bit, and John Murphy came in and plunked the first batter he saw on the first pitch, and then a great battle at the end of that ball game against Milo Freeman. He gets a fly out to right field. Pretty loud fly out to right field, but a fly out nonetheless to end the game with the bases loaded and a two-run lead. So that was good to see for John Murphy, who's been struggling with his control a little bit lately, to plunk the first batter, then kind of regroup. And I believe it was a 1-2 count when he got the fly out after a lot of foul balls at the eighth or ninth pitch of that at-bat. So Murphy was pounding the strike zone after that, which was good to see for the Terps. And obviously he'll be a big arm moving forward because he's the power arm in that Maryland bullpen. But such a great thing to see for this team, knowing they really needed to sweep. You know, they still could have gotten by without sweeping, still could have had a chance this weekend to get in. But sweeping is what they needed to do, especially against a Rutgers team that most people would say the Terps are better than, especially after watching this weekend. They got it done, and now, as we talked about, they control their own destiny this weekend against an Indiana team that has honestly been a little disappointing to what they looked like at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and... At this point, we usually like to pick a Terp of the week, but I don't know if that's worth it right now because Will Watson, with his 11 RBIs this week, was named the Big Ten Player of the Week and College Baseball Newspapers National Player 
of the week. Uh, I've never actually heard of college baseball newspaper, but they give Will Watson the national player of the week. So uh, I think it's fairly uh, obvious that Will's going to be our Terp of the Week. Yeah, got to be a respectable publication if they're giving Will Watson <laughs> the National Player of the Week. So I think we know that now. But uh, and he's, I think he's up for Rawlings National Player of the Week in the top four voting. They yeah, do every something week. like that. Yeah. Costas was in that a couple weeks ago after Nebraska did not win it. Um, but hopefully Watson gets that this week as well. But yeah, I don't think there's many guys uh, that are going to challenge him for that. Nothing against the other guys on the team. Bloom had a great start. Parsons had a great start. Jankarski had a great weekend. Um, but nobody's touching uh, Will Watson after seven RBIs in one inning. Yeah, so we'll agree. Will Watson is our Terp of the Week. And after this weekend, the Big Ten, Big Ten standings are as follows. Minnesota is 16-4 alone atop the Big Ten. For the first time since Big Ten play started, Michigan is not at least in a share for first place. They are in second at 15-5. and five. Purdue is in third at 14-6. and six. So those three teams all still have a shot to win the Big Ten regular season title. Ohio State is in fourth at 13-8. and eight. Illinois is in fifth at 13-8. and eight. So it looks like those two teams will be four and five in whatever order that's going to be. Uh, that'll maybe just determine who's the home team when they meet in Omaha in a couple weeks. Indiana is in sixth at 11 and nine. Iowa is in seventh at 10 and nine. Maryland with a four-game win streak, which is the longest of any team in the Big Ten right now, in eighth place at nine and 11. Michigan State is in ninth at nine and 11, but the Terps are ahead of them because Maryland took two of three in the series at Michigan State a couple weekends ago. Nebraska is tenth at seven and 12. Rutgers is seven and 14. They are in 11th. Northwestern and Penn State both eliminated at 6-18 and 3-18. and, three and 18. So the Terps uh, control their own destiny going into this weekend at Indiana and now we're going to kind of run through all these scenarios for you. Um, the obvious easy way to put this is that Maryland controls its own destiny. So if the Terps go out and sweep this weekend, they will at least be the 8th seed in the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, but if they lose games, they can still get in. Uh, the teams that Maryland is kind of jockeying with for the eight spot and down are Rutgers, Nebraska, and Michigan State, and there are still scenarios where the Terps can pass Indiana and pass Iowa. So here's what it is. Maryland and Rutgers. We'll go through it each team one by one. Maryland and Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights come in to this weekend after getting swept by Maryland 7-14. and The Terps are 9-11, and making Maryland two and a half games up on the Scarlet Knights. So by virtue of that, with three conference games left, with one Maryland win or one Rutgers loss, the Scarlet Knights are eliminated. So it seems like a very, very outside chance that Rutgers can play its way back into the field. Yeah, it almost, you know, you don't want to forget about teams, but the Terps swept them. They're basically down to their last life. Our Rutgers this weekend, you can almost write them off, and it doesn't help that they have to play Minnesota over the weekend, which is looking far and away like the best time in the Big Ten. D1 Baseball put out a new projected field of 64 today. They have Minnesota hosting a regional so this is one of the better teams in the country right now. So things not really lining up for Rutgers well. I think you can kind of just put push them aside. I don't want to have to eat my words on that one. But I think you can kind of see Rutgers falling out of the picture. So the Terps really have to worry about, it seems like, Michigan State and Nebraska over the weekend. So the next team is Nebraska, one st spot excuse me, ahead of Rutgers. The Cornhuskers are 7-12. and 12. 
Maryland is 9-11, and 11, so the Terps are a game and a half up on Nebraska. And remember, these half games are going to come into play because teams had games canceled. Some didn't have game canceled. So not everybody is going to play the same number of league games this season. It's just kind of the way it always happens. So by virtue of the Terps being one and a half games above Nebraska in the standings right now, the Huskers are eliminated with two losses this weekend or one loss and one Maryland win. So that seems like a pretty probable scenario as well. The Huskers are on the road at Illinois, a team that is tied for fourth in the league right now. So once again, you know, you don't want to eat your words on any of this, but one win for Maryland and one loss for Nebraska and the Huskers are out. So if you're a Terps fan, you feel somewhat confident there as well. Yeah, and another thing, Nebraska, they've been playing better at home of, as of late. They have to go on the road to Illinois. And I kind of, you know, looking at this, the, the D1 baseball projected field kind of opens up some eyes about where teams are thinking right now because Illinois is in the Big Ten tournament, but they have them as a three seed right now in a regional, and they are kind of getting close to the bubble is Illinois. and They need to lock up some wins against a team against Nebraska they should be to really secure themselves a place in the field of 64. So it's a big weekend for Illinois as well, although they're not really playing for too, too much seeding, a little bit in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten tournament, but that's going to be very tough for Nebraska to go in there and try and get some wins. So another team that the Terps should have some help from is Illinois this weekend. And, you know, Nebraska – They've showed what they can do offensively, especially against the Terps, and they had a big comeback on Sunday against Indiana, almost came all the way back from down 8 nothing to win a ball game and take a series. So they, I think, are a much better team than Rutgers and a much more dangerous team to watch out for this weekend. But Nebraska, another team that's in a very, very tough spot trying to get in. So the team that Maryland, I guess, really needs to worry about is Michigan State, who's in ninth but has the same record as them. Terps hold the tiebreaker against the Spartans. So by virtue of that, for Michigan State to pass Maryland, they need to win more games than Maryland this weekend, or they need to have a better weekend. So if the Terps go 2-1, and one, Michigan State needs to sweep. If the Terps go 1-2, and two, Michigan State needs to go 2-1. and one. And if the Terps get swept, Michigan State needs to go 1-2. and two. The Spartans are at home uh, playing against Ohio State, another team that's right in the middle of the Big Ten field, a good team that's also potentially playing for some at-large uh, possibilities in the NCAA tournament. But the easiest way to put this Michigan State scenario is that Maryland needs to have an equal or better weekend than the Spartans to stay ahead of them. Yeah, and this is an Ohio State team that's trying to play their way into that top couple of spots in the Big Ten standings. They can't make it all the way up to number one, but they can get up there. They're pretty solidly into the NCAA tournament, it seems, this Ohio State team. They've been playing really well all season, but still going to be, again, a tough series for Michigan State, and things are kind of working out for the Terps. These teams they're fighting with are playing really the best teams in the Big Ten right now, which is helping out at the end of the season. And we thought this would be the scenario for Maryland. You thought Indiana might be the best team in the Big Ten, and right now they are not looking like that. And Indiana, maybe not a lock for the NCAA tournament at this point, but either way, the Terps are hoping for a little bit of help, but again, they can control their own destiny. But it's very helpful, as you talked about, that these best teams in the Big Ten really are playing these teams that are fighting for the Big Ten tournament. So those three teams we mentioned are all trying to catch Maryland for the eight spot, but the Terps still have a chance to potentially get all the way up to six. 
The team in seventh right now is Iowa at 10 and 9. So Maryland is a game and a half behind them. So to pass the Hawkeyes, the Terps would need to win two more games than Iowa this weekend. So that would mean Maryland would need to sweep Indiana and Iowa could only win one game or the Terps go 2-1 and one this weekend and Iowa gets swept. Uh, the kind of caveat on all of that is Iowa is hosting Penn State uh, pretty much by far the worst team in the Big Ten this season. But hey, the Hawkeyes just lost 2-3 of three to the 13th place team in the Big Ten, or the 12th place team in the Big Ten, excuse me, uh, in Northwestern. So anything can happen. It seems unlikely. But once again, for the Terps to pass Iowa, they need to win two more games than the Hawkeyes this weekend. Yeah, and I think, you know, Maryland's in this scenario because of getting into the Big Ten tournament, but I don't think there's any team in the Big Ten that has their backs against the wall this weekend more than the Iowa Hawkeyes. If they have a dud weekend like they did against Northwestern, again against Penn State at home, they're talking about missing the Big Ten tournament, and they are squarely on the bubble right now of the NCAA tournament. You'd have to think if they lose two of three to Penn State, maybe if they even drop one game to Penn State, a team that does not have a good RPI at all, they could be on a bad side of that bubble. And if they somehow lost a couple games and didn't make the Big Ten tournament or at least weren't in a good spot to win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, it would really, really hurt Iowa's not only you know Big Ten chances, but the NCAA tournament chances. So this Iowa team, it's going to be all hands on deck for them. They seriously need to sweep Penn State just to keep themselves in that NCAA tournament conversation and also get themselves a chance to play more games in the Big Ten tournament. So it seems like it's going to be tough for Maryland to jump Iowa. But then again, they were kind of in the same scenario last weekend and lost two of three to a Northwestern team who's right at the bottom of the conference as well. Yeah, the real shocking thing about this for Iowa was that two weeks ago they played out of conference at home against a ranked Oklahoma State team and took two of three. That boosted the RPI a ton and made them look like a pretty sure thing for an at-large bid, but this week they lose two of three, as you said, against Northwestern, fall back to 29 and 18, 10 and 9. And as you said, I think it's pretty clear around the country that the Big Ten is um, not that well-respected of a baseball conference. So if you don't make the Big Ten tournament, you can absolutely forget about an at-large bid. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for Iowa right now. And the and the other thing is, the weird thing about this series is, if you take three games from Penn State and you get yourself into the Big Ten tournament if you're Iowa, it's not really helping your NCAA tournament stock very much because it's, it's a series at home against Penn State that you should be sweeping. But if you lose one game, maybe two, that hurts it so much that they're probably going to have to really play their way back into it if they get into the Big Ten tournament. So Iowa's played themselves into a tough spot. I think this might be a very tough team to catch this weekend because I think they're going to have all hands on deck throwing everything out there, almost playing Penn State like it's a Big Ten tournament scenario just to get those three wins that they're really going to need. So the Terps, it's going to be focusing on their series and focusing on what happens to Michigan State as well. The final team that Maryland is sort of jockeying with for seeding and positioning in the Big Ten tournament is Indiana, who's 11-9 and in the conference and in sixth place. Uh, Maryland at 9-11 and comes in two games behind Indiana, so this one's somewhat obvious. But if Maryland goes out and sweeps the Hoosiers on the road, they pass them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously pretty simple for the Terps, and I think what they would have wanted coming into this one. They feel like they're playing good, feel like they can beat an Indiana team that's been struggling a little bit lately. And if they can go in and sweep them, well, there it is. You've got that spot above Indiana, and you're locked into the Big Ten tournament. But Indiana, another team, you know, playing a little bit, you know, not as well as they'd like to, kind of falling 
closer and closer to the bubble in the NCAA tournament, so they've got a lot to play for. And they might be kind of in an Iowa scenario as well. If Indiana loses a couple games to Maryland or gets swept and they don't even make the Big Ten tournament to get themselves a chance to play more games, I don't see how the NCAA tournament can have a good case to put them in. And the one other thing about Indiana, they're still trying to get an at-large bid. They have a huge game this week, do the Hoosiers, against a very good Louisville team that could be a possibility to get a better at-large scenario. So unlike Maryland, who has no midweek game and can rest up all the pitchers, Indiana might be going pretty hard to try and win that midweek game, you know, a little bit different than a Maryland team last week playing Towson or something like that. So that could impact the weekend as well. So the Terps, I think, are set up pretty well this weekend to try and get to Omaha. Yeah, it's, I think that's a good point you make about that tough midweek coming up uh, for Indiana. So we laid out all those scenarios for you. Just to do it very quickly one more time, Rutgers is eliminated with one loss or one Maryland win. Nebraska eliminated with two losses or one loss and one Maryland win. Michigan State must win more games than Maryland this weekend. And then Maryland passes Iowa with two more wins than the Hawkeyes this weekend. And Maryland passes Indiana with a sweep of the Hoosiers this weekend. I think that... We would both agree that the most likely scenario is Maryland finishing eighth in the Big Ten and making it to Omaha, but I think based on the way the majority of this season has gone, the Terps can't ask for more than being in the driver's seat and controlling their own destiny going into this last weekend. Yeah, they're set up as well as they could have asked after obviously a very disappointing start to the Big Ten schedule. I mean, the Terps not play well at all early. We talk about that Purdue series. Doesn't look as bad now. Purdue looks like one of the best teams in the Big Ten, but they got swept. Should have won at least one game. That Illinois series, it looked like they were set up very well to win two out of three. Looked like they were set up very well to win two out of three against Nebraska. Took just one of the three in that series. So there's been definitely some tough series for the Terps this year. And now that they get to this point against Indiana, it's just a couple things. It's you know, we were talking about on earlier podcasts, like the Terps need to make their move before Indiana because Indiana has been playing so well. That narrative has totally changed. Indiana and Maryland, the team playing better right now is probably Maryland. Right. I do think, but Maryland, by sweeping Rutgers this weekend, Maryland did make its move uh, before the Indiana series like we talked about. But you're right that Indiana doesn't quite seem like the opponent we thought it Yeah, that's, they're not the Goliath team that Maryland thought it was going to be at the end of the schedule. Like, wow. We got set up, you know, not a great schedule for us. We might be playing a top 10 team in the nation and the best team in the Big Ten by the end of the season. But now this is an Indiana team that's very beatable for Maryland right now. And this is going to be a huge series in the Big Ten. I mean, most of the eyes in the Big Ten might be on this series because it means so much for both of these teams, both trying to fight into the tournament and one of them fighting for their NCAA tournament lives as well. So it'll be a big series for the Terps, big series for the Hoosiers, and that should make for some very good baseball because – both teams are going to have all hands on deck this weekend. So Indiana was the preseason pretty much consensus pick to win the Big Ten. They were ranked for the majority of the year, got off to a great start, and their record is still really strong right now in 33-15, and 15, but only 11-9 and nine in the Big Ten. They've hit a little bit of a skid. Did take two of three on the road in Nebraska at Nebraska uh, last weekend, so maybe this team is playing a little bit better, and they are led by the pitching staff. They have the best team ERA in the Big Ten this season, and their Friday and Saturday starters, Jonathan Stever and Paulie Milto, are the two studs on this team right now. Uh, Milto was a third-team All-Big Ten performer last year. His ERA is well under three this year. And Stever, who started a game against Maryland last year that 
remember before the tornado delay that pushed the game to Saturday, the Friday night game, he was really, really strong. So the pitching staff is really what makes Indiana the team that they were for the majority of this season, a ranked team and a team that looked like it was going to be the best in the Big Ten. Yeah, obviously Milto and Steve are the two guys that, you know, you look at Maryland right now, Hunter Parsons probably goes well, Thursday now, not Friday, the series a day early this weekend. And then it seems like Taylor Bloom is going to be slotted into that Saturday role. There hasn't been many guys pitching better than Hunter Parsons over this season. But Steve and Milter are two guys, you can argue, that maybe have been pitching better than Hunter Parsons. And Indiana has two of them. And that's another reason why it's so surprising that Indiana is at 11-9. and nine. They have one of the best one-two punches rotation-wise in the Big Ten. Maybe the best one-two punch. And they're still dropping series, you know, dropping games when they pitch pretty regularly. So... It's been, you know, kind of interesting to watch. Now, Milto, he's, you know, 6-2 and two, his record. Indiana's been very good when he pitches. But Stever, they haven't gotten a lot of run support. And it's just been an interesting year for Indiana. But it's going to be some very good pitching matchups this week- weekend, especially if the Terps are all healthy and the bullpen's ready to go as well. So that should make for even an even better weekend. It's a, I think it's a really good point that you make that it's hard to necessarily understand why Indiana has been struggling as much as it kind of has the last few weekends because you look at their three weekend starters, Paulie Milto is third in the Big Ten with a 2.04 ERA. Jonathan Stever is seventh, or excuse me, eighth in the Big Ten with a 2.98 ERA. And Tim Heron, who's been starting on, on Sundays lately, is ninth in the Big Ten with a 3.00 ERA. When you have three guys in the top ten in the league in ERA, I mean, this team looks like, and the stats still kind of bear out, that they are potentially the most talented team uh, in the league. Yeah, it, it, it should be that way. And you look down the lineup, and it's not like you know all these guys are hitting 215. Kind of like when you looked at Maryland's lineup at one point this season, you had the four guys all below 200 at the bottom of the order. That's not what it looks like either, and it's just so interesting. And you talk about you know putting it in perspective, Indiana's 33-15. and 15. They still right. have a very, very good record. But, you know, right now we're in Big Ten play, and they're not locked into the Big Ten tournament yet going into the last weekend. They're only two games over five hundred, And, you know, it's just been losing close games and maybe just not scoring enough when they need to. But the team also has a great lineup as well. And, you know, you have guys like Luke Miller and Logan Sowers in there who are two of the better power hitters in the Big Ten. And you have guys hitting for, you know, Matt Gorski's hitting almost 380 for Indiana right now. And they have some very good hitters in that lineup as well. And it just seems like one of those teams where maybe – before Big Ten play, they were putting it all together all the time, and maybe during Big Ten play, they just aren't, you know, the offense and the pitching maybe isn't coming together at the same times a lot, and that's why they've lost nine games. And I think we need to be fair to the Hoosiers. They really haven't lost to anyone bad in Big Ten play, and I think they might have the hardest schedule of anybody that's played in the Big Ten um, this season because if you look at it, they started off against Purdue, took two of three from them, Played against Northwestern, did what they should, sw- did what they were supposed to do, I guess. Took two of three from them. They lost two of three at Ohio State. That's a good team. They took two of three against Illinois. They got swept at Minnesota. And then they took two of three against Nebraska. So the rough stretch was losing four of six the weekends against Illinois and Minnesota. And you extend that out, uh, losing six of nine in the three weekends against Illinois, Minnesota, and Ohio State. But the only team, they've only played, excuse me, two teams this year that are not in the Big Ten field right now. That's Nebraska and that's Northwestern. And they've gone five and one against those teams. So 
look, the record might not be what Indiana wanted, but I think it's pretty fair to say that they've probably had the hardest schedule in the Big Ten this season. Yeah, they have, and that's obviously hurt them a little bit. You know, no matter how good you are, it's tough to play the top teams in the Big Ten because although the Big Ten might be a little bit down, those teams at the top, like I think Minnesota is definitely one of the better teams in the country right now, and they might get to host a regional themselves as they have a good weekend this weekend and then have a good Big Ten tournament. And there's some very good teams, and Indiana's really had to play all of them. You know, if you're Maryland – you avoided Minnesota. You only had to play two games against Michigan. You know, maybe you're set up a little better schedule-wise. Didn't get Penn State on the schedule, but you did get Northwestern. But you know, a team like Indiana, and they're playing all the best teams. And they're another team. You know, at the beginning of the Big Ten schedule, they came in with such a good out-of-conference record. Did Indiana? So they're getting every team's best shot as well over the weekends because they came in as a top ten preseason team. They came in as a team picked to win the Big Ten. So they're getting everybody's best shot. You know, you're a little bit more fired up to play Indiana, and that can make it a little tougher for a team. So, but still, when you, when you look at it, Indiana's been a good team this year, a great team out of conference. You know, a solid team in conference. But there's still a reason why they really haven't locked themselves into the Big Ten tournament and haven't locked themselves into the NCAA tournament. And that's just because it seems like things just haven't come together at the right times for them. Well, since Maryland joined the Big Ten a couple of years ago, Indiana is 5-4 and four against them, but the Terps have had success when it's really mattered against the Hoosiers. Beat them twice in the 2016 Big Ten tournament and beat them again in the 2015 Big Ten tournament. So when... Stuff is on the line. Maryland has been successful against Indiana, and they're going to look to do that again this weekend. And for those of you that enjoy scoreboard watching, the games that matter to Maryland um, most of all are occurring before the games for Maryland actually start this weekend, if I phrase that the right way. The Minnesota Rutgers game on Thursday is at 1 o'clock, and the Ohio State-Michigan State game is at 4 o'clock. The Nebraska-Illinois game is at 7, but I mean, and that's all East Coast time. But still, Maryland, Rutgers might be eliminated by the time Maryland gets to Bart Kaufman Stadium in Bloomington on Thursday, and if Michigan State loses on Thursday to Ohio State, that could happen by the game, by the time the game starts on Thursday, and then Maryland would be in a really, really good spot and kind of know where they are. But this team's obviously not going to be scoreboard watching. We like to do that. We like to play out all the scenarios. But like we said last week, uh, the most important thing is for the Terps to just take care of their own business and not try and have to hope somebody else can do something because, you know what, this all went really, really well this week. But if Michigan State goes out and gets a win on Thursday and Maryland loses, they're back to a game behind the Spartans. Yeah, and, and, and the other side of that, you know, if Maryland just goes out and sweeps Indiana, has another great weekend. Unfortunately for us and all of our listeners, most of what we talked about on this podcast means nothing because the Terps went and handled their own business, and it doesn't matter what the other teams did. But that's the other thing about it, you know. There's a definite scenario in which Michigan State could win and Maryland could lose, and then you're right back to it, as you said, kind of trying to win and hoping you get a lot of help again. So for Maryland, all of this is looking good. If the Terps can handle enough business, if they can sweep, it's easy. If they can take two out of three, they're in a very, very good spot. But if the Terps drop a couple of games, it goes right back to you're just kind of watching and hoping around the Big Ten if the Terps can get back into that Big Ten tournament. So remember this weekend, because the – 
Big Ten tournament starts in the middle of next week. Everybody plays on Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of the normal Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, earlier today, I was looking at the weather forecast in Bloomington. It doesn't look fantastic. Looks like there's some rain in the schedule, but it's an all-turf field, so uh, hopefully they'll be able to deal with any potential rain. Thursday night, the game is at 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame on the Maryland Baseball Network. Friday, the game is at 6.05, so that would be a 5.35 pregame on the Maryland Baseball Network and then a 1.35 pregame on Saturday with a 2.05 start in that one. And uh, let's all hope when we're done this weekend, uh, we'll be going straight to Omaha for the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, Connor, if things don't go well for Maryland this weekend, uh, this might be the last time everyone hears you this year. We'll do another podcast. But if things do go well, you'll be coming out to Omaha, and uh, we're, we'll have a lot of fun at TD Ameritrade for the Big Ten Tournament. Yeah, I told the guys on Sunday, some of the staff of the team, like, you know, I'm not going to Indiana, but I hope I see you in Omaha in a couple weeks. I'll be there with you, Justin, to call some of the games. But you'll be doing the heavy lifting this weekend in Bloomington against Indiana, and you know, we're hoping a little selfishly for our sake, we get to call some more games, but obviously for the team as well, that they can keep playing. And as long as you're alive in the Big Ten tournament and you're in the Big Ten tournament, there's always that light at the end of the tunnel and that chance you can get back to an NCAA regional. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit and we'll talk about it again if Maryland does make it to the Big Ten tournament, but it's been a long time since one of the top seeds has won the Big Ten tournament. For whatever reason, uh, the lower seeds seemed to do well last year. The championship was a four seed against an eight seed. So like you said, all you have to do is get there, and then you have a chance. Yeah, and in 2016, four seed versus the seven seed. So it's those teams at the bottom. You know, it's kind of interesting in the Big Ten because it almost seems like those top couple teams every year in the Big Ten are very good and are pretty much into the NCAA tournament no matter what. But it's a Big Ten baseball conference that sometimes those bottom four seeds in the tournament, even though they're good seeds in the Big Ten tournament, might not be in place for an at-large bid. So they're playing for everything, and it almost seems like the teams in the bottom half always have so much more to play for, whereas it's different in a conference like the SEC where the top eight in the SEC might all be into the NCAA tournament already. They're playing for that good seeding, hosting a regional, whatever. So it almost seems like those bottom four, bottom five teams have almost a little bit more to play for, and that has kind of played out the last couple of years where those bottom seeds are putting everything on the line to win those games, and it makes for a very good tournament, a lot of upsets, and you get some interesting teams at the end like we had with Iowa and Northwestern at the end last year. Yeah, who would have thought? And the Hawkeyes go on and win the Big Ten tournament they were the four seed out in the Houston regional and they took the opening game against the Cougars so anything can happen but first things first Terps have to take care of business uh, this weekend at Indiana and we'll keep you updated on everything as always here on the Maryland Baseball Network for now that wraps up this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast as always follow us on Twitter for updates at MD Baseball Net check out our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash MD Baseball Net. Look at all our content at our website at MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, subscribe by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes store. One more time this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 7 o'clock, 6.05 and 2.05. The Terps will be in Bloomington taking on the Indiana Hoosiers looking to seal up a spot in the Big Ten Tournament. For now, for my partner, Connor Newcomb, and our entire Maryland Baseball Network staff, I'm Justin Galanti. So long, everyone.
keep away from a runner.